Hello and welcome once again to episode 79 of Code Completion. We are a group of iOS developers and educators hoping to share what we love most about development, Apple technology, and completing your code. My name is Dimitri and I'll be your host once again for this episode and I'm joined today by my fellow completionist, Spencer. Hey there. So this past weekend, I took a rare occasion to step out of my home to go vote in the French elections. And I was reminded from the choice of candidates that we really live in a world where like some try to propagate negativity and others are fighting desperately to preserve some positivity in the world. So I wanted to talk about the importance of spreading positivity in your local communities, whether that's like in person or uh, your online communities, your developer communities, uh, and talk about that importance because I really do think that um, spreading more positivity does more good than like getting a good a good quip in to to like put someone down <laughs> if that makes any sense yeah <clears throat> that said i don't know if i'm the best example of that because i keep bringing you down about your ram usage but you know that i think we're all <laughs> we're all like good on that i think you know that that's a joke and i'm not actually <laughs> oh absolutely <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah no i agree though it's it's interesting I mean, obviously, everyone knows that in in today's society and world, uh, we, you know, uh, it's it's very polarized, right? Uh, in mm-hmm. in <clears throat> essentially every aspect. But I think in our you know developer iOS developer community, um, I think in general, it's definitely more. It seems more positive. Uh, than negative but that said you know you you kind of have this more that maybe like the inner circle and then you've got the outer circle of like your customers and then you you can sort of you know um, you have these sort of uh, I guess you would call them like slightly external interactions with um, people um, that perhaps aren't um, as as positive or yeah (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, there's, I think we all know if you've ever been on social media of any kind that there is sort of mental danger of, you know, putting yourself out there on the internet, right? You, you, as soon as you put yourself out there, you are uh, allowing yourself to be either, um, well, criticized in in one way or another, whether that's good or bad. Um, so as an example, uh, Dimitri's got on here like one star reviews, right? Um, you and I've I've seen this in person where, um, you know, I mean, you could go on any app on the app store probably and find one star reviews, even if the app is absolutely amazing. Um, and you know that, I mean, as a developer, you you know what they're, the developers are going through to bring this app to someone and often it's going to be a labor of love if it's just like an indie app right it, you know maybe it's even free but then people are dragging it through the mud because it doesn't have this feature or it crashed on them or something so in that sense it can be really hard to put yourself out there and say i'm going to try to provide this thing that i find useful or i think other people will find useful uh, and then have it kind of not necessarily backfire, but um, have people not appreciate it perhaps in the way that you would like them to, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I, I like what you said about like things being very polarized, like whether they're polarized or there's a lot of nuance, 
like this is a separate conversation kind of like it's okay to have your own express opinions about something but sure. the way in which you share those opinions with others i think is where what we're trying to like focus on here because you can do so as uh constructively as possible and gain a lot of benefit from that or you can do it very um uh like in an in a very unnuanced way and just like yeah. dragging through the mud as you mentioned like putting anything on the internet is really just putting a target on yourself um that others are definitely going to attack um and that's expressively so if you're not like if you don't look like us if you're not white male uh individuals then you are going to be subject to all sorts of criticism that have nothing to do with the work that you actually made which yeah. is why a lot of people just try to remain anonymous as much as possible um on the internet so um i i think it's important to think about as much as possible because we're all going to slip up at some way like emotions always kind of get the better of every one of us i mean that's what human is being a that's what uh being a human is all about um but at the same time we have our intellect to kind of save us and uh pull back a little uh when our emotions get too strong for something mm-hmm. um and i think like this goes towards both if you're a customer of something or if you're a fellow developer uh to really really try to not ruin someone's day by just putting some words on the screen because it's another human on the other side of it and they they are going to be hurt by whatever you say um so you can either uh make their day or you can ruin it in one fell swoop and uh that's something that you should think about especially if you want to get something done right if you if you need a feature don't leave a one-star review because then that's going to just like demotivate the person who's gonna write your feature and i don't think that's that's a constructive uh in in getting what you want out of like what you're trying to do yeah i mean let's let's take that example of like wanting a new feature um there's a much more constructive way of doing it rather than posting a one-star review or you could go to uh their website or if they have like a support email um i think that's actually required if i remember right in the app store submission it's been a hot minute you have to have a support url not necessarily an email Okay, but you could probably go to their website. They might have one there. They might have, uh, you know, their Twitter um, handle or something on there. Some way to contact them directly and say, hey, uh, I think this would be a great feature. I mean, wording is is so, it's everything, right? There's a very easy way to change this from, uh, I hate the app because it doesn't have X feature to, hey, this is a great app. I think it would be awesome with, you know, this feature. Uh, have you considered working on this? Or, you know, I have a bunch of people that would love to see this. And then that becomes a motivator rather than a demotivator for them because they're going to think, oh, okay, well, you know, maybe if we, I have enough ticks of people that want this feature, it's worth my time to do this, whether it's a paid app or a free app. Um, and. And that doesn't mean you can't express your emotions, right? You can say, sure. it frustrates me every single time I go and make an edit and the thing crashes. But mm-hmm. you don't have to attack the other person for that, right? It's It, in a way, is their fault for building something that crashes and that loses everything you work on. But at the same time, that's not their goal, right? They didn't expressly <laughs> make something to drive you nuts. Um, and 
they they would benefit from you telling them more details about like your specific scenario um so you can express your frustration just be sure to contextualize it um into something that's tangible and practical for them to fix like i hate when this app crashes one star that's not uh, useful that's but not useful. if you say it it frustrates me whenever i uh go ahead and uh make a new document and add a table and whenever i hit the 20th row then the, the app crashes um and one that shouldn't even go in in a review like you should go and use the support channels like spencer mentioned um but if if the support channels don't help like sometimes developers don't necessarily monitor those mm-hmm. um there are other avenues that you can go towards like if they're on twitter if they're on facebook you can ping them there um and if none of that works and you really like the app otherwise and you want it to like you are using it right you're you're invested in it to a certain amount um you can go ahead and i guess leave a review but be mindful that your star rating uh like that one little thing um can really hinder the the potential for what you want to be fixed actually getting fixed if that makes any sense yeah for sure i mean it just going on these kind of um i i mean we could take the review uh the reviews as as an example you know um you could get four and five star reviews all day long and you feel pretty good about yourself you know for making an app that people like but then you get a single one star review and it can you know ruin your week or your month or something and really uh you know bring you down quite a bit in comparison to a single five star review bringing you up and so the it it's a lot easier to be negative and have these negative emotions kind of um impact you i suppose at least it does for me for sure um so i mean uh, on the flip side, as a customer, you know, I, I always try to think about, uh, obviously, like Dimitri said, obviously the app, they didn't write the app, so it crashes or whatever. So try to see it from their perspective and uh, be constructive and you can criticize, uh, you know, whatever they're doing, but do it in a constructive way that's not just bringing them down. And again, you could use those alternate support channels or whatever. So, um I don't know. It's yeah, it's, it's interesting being positive, even if you are perhaps frustrated, but you know, it's, it, I always try to find it important to, um, be, see things from other people's perspective. Um, like for example, um, let's see, how do I wear this? Like separating the person from the product, right? Like the app may crash, but that doesn't mean the person is a terrible person or, um, I'll get like recruiters from Facebook uh, all the time on, on LinkedIn asking to join their team and stuff. And I, I have this like canned response because it's happened a couple times and I'll say something like, Hey, I'm not interested while I like, this is nothing against you as a person, but I have issues like ethical issues with Facebook as a company. So like, please don't take this personally, but I, I don't want to work for them. Please just take me off your list. I don't want to hear from you guys again. I don't know. I don't know if that's a great example, but for me, it's like, I, I'm not mad at you, the person that's trying to recruit me because you're just doing your job. I am mad at Facebook. <laughs> so, uh, I'm trying to direct that, that anger and frustration towards them rather than the person that's just trying to, you know, cold call people on LinkedIn doing their job. So, mm-hmm. 
I, I think one more example that we can kind of go through because it's it's completely relevant. Um, you might have noticed that a lot of YouTube channels, the the creator does not read their comments. Um, and the comments in this case are a very similar thing because one, you yeah. don't even have a star rating to guide you as far as like which ones you should read and which ones you should have someone else read and then report back to you because they are distanced from, from the thing that got created. Sure. So therefore they are less impacted. Um, but like you, if you were to read something that like just puts you down, like that's it. Like that's all you need to like ruin your day as we've said several times before. And as a result, a lot of YouTube creators will just not read any of their comments because there's no way to know which ones are uh, are nice and which ones are helpful and useful. Because a lot of times, like there is like a useful conversation that happens in those comments, but you kind of have to sequester yourself from all of it if mm-hmm. a single one of them might drag you through the mud for no good reason. And there are different levels of being dragged through the mud, of course. Um, but uh, any attack that's personal to uh, the human on the screen, um, those are the ones I'm talking about. Again, you can be critical of stuff um, without attacking the person directly. Yeah. Um, and that is that is the big distinction that honestly takes training. Like you need to learn how to do that and learn how to enunciate your thoughts in a way that are not going to destroy someone. Um, and and that's hard. Right. It's not something that comes naturally. Um, Just like it's easy to be negative. It's easy to be destroyed by negativity, (laughs) ironically enough. So um, it it does take a lot of practice to to be better and to be uh, more positive. But it is something that's worth pursuing, um, I, I, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's like you said, it's very easy to react to something just kind of um i guess throw what's you know whatever's off the top of your head and it's um try not to be as reactive rather than i don't have a good word for it but um thoughtfully reactive <laughs> i guess mm-hmm. um you know collect yourself and collect maybe your emotions and i've definitely had to do this before you know i mean on twitter or whatever um i think uh, like a great example of like something getting to me was um, uh, what's his name? I, I now just do not interact with the guy at all because <laughs> uh, it, I just, yeah. Um, um, when he put an article, I think on Hacker News or something that was uh, dragging us, mostly me, I think, um, because, uh, at, when we were teaching at Lambda, because I had no experience in the field, right. That was hard for me to kind of take. And I mean, he had some valid points, but also I felt from my side that I, I was able to do my job, if that makes sense. I don't know. But that was a time when I, it was, I reacted very just like, immediately and I didn't really think about anything else and that was hard for me and I did not feel great about myself for a while because of what he said and so um not to say that some of his points perhaps weren't valid but in the moment it's hard to kind of see things um perhaps objectively and you know I just kind of 
honed in and focused in on what he said. And so, I don't know. Um, I don't know where I, I was going with that. but No, no, no. I, I, I like that example a lot because, one, it, it was kind of made worse by the fact that it was indirect. Like, it wasn't specifically targeting you, but you felt like you connected the points in your own head and got, like, put down by that, right? Yeah. Um, and that is, like almost an indirect like like what's the best way to say um it's a very educated way of like destroying someone um Mm -hmm. it takes intellect to be able to do that if you are doing it purposefully um and if you're not doing it purposefully if you do it by accident it's worse because people will think that you did it purposely um just to like indirectly jab at you um and that is Something that, as I said, you really need to practice not attacking people to not do that by accident because you can do so much more damage by just being indirect about it and not being specific about it because now not only do you feel that way, but all the other teachers at Lambda uh, felt that way um, because they could make those same connections like, oh, they're talking about me. Like, they're not thinking about you. Uh, they thought you were fine, but they thought that the criticism was directly <laughs> related to them. Right. So now that criticism is directly impacting a whole bunch of people when it one was mal-researched. Like it was just like a jab of some anonymous person on Hacker News um, that uh, wanted to feel righteous and then propagated by someone with thousands of followers. Like that was uh, in very poor taste. Um it, and like that's one reason why like i do not respect this person anymore despite having like met them and thought thought they were a nice person like that one comment and the fact that they never owned up to it uh Mm -hmm. really felt like um it, it felt bad but at the same time like we're trying to talk about like not uh not yeah. being negative at the same time so like yes that criticism like there might be something to learn from that and therefore uh if it's something that we can do like we would try to be better at it right um and that's that's what like growing is all about right not yeah. not focusing on it um but focusing on how how to improve from that situation not not forgetting it either Right. You want to remember, you want to build upon that. You don't want to live your life full of uh, regrets of and just like not learning from your own mistakes. Like we do that plenty uh, <laughs> around the world already. Um, so it's like it's important to remember it. It's important to grow from it. Um, and it's important to not dwell on it, I would say. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. And that's I, I think that's more or less why I've sort of just distanced myself from him. I stopped following him on Twitter and stuff. And I just, you know, I, I realized that, you know, while he's not, you know, um, I guess he, for lack of a better word, I know he's not really attacking, you know, us or Lambda School or anything. Well, maybe Lambda School a little bit, but not us directly anymore. I just, I, you know, sort of avoid him just because that brings up those, you know, those memories and stuff. And that's, you know, on me for not kind of getting past it, I suppose. Um, But I think it brings up a point where that was one time where I felt like intense imposter syndrome. And I think that's something very common um, throughout everyone's career as a developer is just, you know, feeling 
like you're not good enough or, you know, um, you don't belong in the position you're in or whatever it is. Um, that was definitely time a, a time for me where I had intense imposter syndrome. So, you know, I, I, I don't really think I'm a great example of, you know, how to get over that because I, I feel it all the time and I, maybe we all do or something, but, um, I think that's something that all of these, it, it can be a, um, a result of the one star reviews or whatever criticisms that you get is you, you begin to feel imposter syndrome. And that I think is something that I need to learn to overcome. Still, I don't have a great answer for, <laughs> for those listening on, on how to, um, overcome it or, or, you know, uh, get better at ignoring i don't know and i i don't think you need to quote unquote overcome it or ignore it um but you do need to realize that imposter syndrome can fuel like more negativity because yeah. you might you might feel like oh uh, what makes this other person so uh, high and mighty um so then you uh, to make yourself feel better can drag them through the mud. Like, I'm not saying that you, Spencer, that, would yes. do that. Uh, but I have seen that behavior time and time again, um, where it's not like that person means it, per se. They're just frustrated. Um, and that frustration uh, manifests itself into, like, being mean to other people. <laughs> and that that is something that, like, later in their life, once they are no longer in that same situation they'll realize and learn from um and for in that same situation that you were feeling i called them out like on twitter when they mentioned that and i said this feels like you're attacking people and although they never replied i like to think that in the back of my mind they saw that and they felt shitty about that like as plain as as it is like to feel a little bit of shame about what you did maybe that's enough for them to grow from that like i don't think they've attacked people since um, so I, I think that that was hopefully the best way to deal with that, even if they never quote unquote owned up to it publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is something that if, if you, if you feel like you yourself are inadequate, you can very easily project that on others. And, yeah. uh, it, it is something that you need to try your best whether you feel imposter syndrome or not, uh, to not do, right? <laughs> yeah. I think and I don't can... know, like, how to do that, but it's something to think about. Yeah. Well, I think that you bring up a great point where it can become this vicious cycle of just negativity mm-hmm. towards everyone else. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, going back to our kind of original point, I think that's just what's going on in general with the world is just someone's negative to you. So then you take out your, uh, you know, negativity on someone else and it just kind of spirals that way. So, um, I, I agree that, you know, that can lead to, Oh, well let me, you know, try to make myself feel better by bringing someone down. So, um, I mean, again, for me, when I have like those reactionary moments where I'm just like, I, I want to send a strongly worded tweet to this person. Um, I'm glad that it's now 280 characters instead of 140. Um, yeah, the sign that you ran out of characters is a sign that you <laughs> potentially said too much. But right. don't get rid of the, the best parts and leave the most negative ones as a result of that. Yes, yes, agreed, agreed. <laughs> but think about, like, um, 
think about what you're gonna say before you say it i mean like if you have nothing good to say don't say it at all type of thing but Mm -hmm. um you know i think there are times to criticize but don't don't drag people through the mud i don't know what to (laughs) what else to say like you could you know try to be constructive in everything whether it's um yeah i don't know I mean, it's not like I'm 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 this white knight of 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 positivity, but I I very much try to not be reactionary in, um, things like that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. No, and and absolutely, I want I want to remind our audience that we are not by no means the perfect examples of mm-hmm. what we're trying For to say, sure. <laughs> but we do want like us saying it is enough for us to think about it um and that's why we're saying it because we were thinking about it um and we hope that others can think about it because the more people that think about it i think the more benefit we all have as a result of that because it influences everyone like another example that i thought of and i'm gonna try to not be too specific so if you know about it then you're gonna you're gonna recognize it but if you don't then no one is further harmed by it but if uh we it becomes like a habit of everyone involved to portray a certain public member of a community as uh, as something that kind of gets dehumanized as a result of that. Um, it can it can very easily spread like in a playful way, uh, like oh that person is uh, so like this, um, and uh, no one means any harm by it, right? But on the other side of all that is one person who keeps hearing the same phrase. That person is so like this. And that can either put a smile to their face or grind them down little by little by little by little by little. And we really need to be careful because for anyone that is put on a public pedestal, whether uh, they were aiming for that or whether it happened slowly just because they were a generally nice person... Mm-hmm. Um, we need to be very careful remembering that we may all know more about them than they know about any of us. So if you are a close friend, like Spencer telling me my RAM usage is ridiculous, like that's totally fine. Like I know Spencer very well. And, um, uh, one, I know that he is trying to get deep cuts, but I'm not going to let him. Um, so like... <laughs> That that is a completely separate thing than if any one of you listeners said that my RAM usage was ridiculous. Because like, what do you know about that? Like, <laughs> sure, you may know a lot because I've spoken a lot about it, right? But at the same time, you are not someone that I know. Therefore, I can't make that complete connection of like what I know that you know. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and and therefore, I would. Potentially, and I, I would try not to publicly, but internally, I would find it a little bit offensive. And if that happened every single day for months mm. and months and months, like I would feel drained by it. And at one point, there'd be a tipping point, and I would get, I would blow up about it. And I don't want a, a potentially very nice person that I've never met to be the person I blow up to, right. um, uh, uh, like along those lines, because. You were just the one that, like, 
you were that piece of straw that broke the camel's back, you know? Right. Um, and no one meant any harm by it. They were trying to be nice. They were trying to use that one little thing that they knew to get into the conversation. And that was the mistake, right? And it was a mistake because they saw everyone else doing it. And therefore, oh, it seems like it was okay. Everyone's just laughing it off, right? Um, so they tried to do it too. Um, but it turned out to be very insensitive. So even if common things like circulate and they seem funny because everyone's laughing about it do try to think about what those words mean and what how that meaning changes when they come out of your mouth as a stranger to that person um versus your mouth as a good friend of that person right yeah yeah that makes sense and yeah i should probably stop saying that anyway (laughs) No, you again, you are totally a okay to say I, it. I know. Um, um, but at the same time, like you have a responsibility as someone saying it publicly now <laughs> that uh, that is slowly propagating, right? Yeah. So I guess that's the other, yeah, that's the no, other exactly. way of thinking about it. So, uh, Spencer, please continue it publicly because I do find it funny. Um, but uh, <laughs> not in public anymore, right? <laughs> yeah. Or privately. I don't know what I just said. Uh, words came out of my mouth. I got so you. So do it privately, uh, but not publicly. Yeah. Um, maybe, or I mean, it's up to you. You're you're a person. Uh, you can make your own decisions. Uh, if you want to drag me through the mud, yeah. I know, and that's that's the thing, <laughs> that's right? Your prerogative. Like, now it's it's <laughs> affecting more than you. I mean, it it always has affected you, but now it could potentially affect more than more than you, and then thus sort of multiply its effect on you. So. Mm-hmm. it's an and i use that as a very as a very frivolous example yeah. like to yeah, be to be clear i'm not at all like offended that of that um or by that and it will soon not be an issue because i will have lots of ram um so i'm looking forward to that uh, <laughs> and we'll talk about it when it happens but um and th- that was a very particular example of someone else in the community that um i noticed and i thought that that was an excellent example to focus on um, because it is something that does happen. It's not, yeah. we're not talking about hypotheticals here. I just don't want to necessarily name people to, to help propagate it. Yeah, for sure. And I think something that, like, we've all been talking about, like, the other direction of the many to the few, um, kind of, mm-hmm. uh, like, words that can really hurt individuals. Um But I think this goes the other way around, too. So say you get um, uh, an email from a customer and they're potentially angry. Um, You should not necessarily reply in that same tone. Um, At the same time, you shouldn't necessarily reply in a very distant tone either. And something I've noticed um, as I've done both indie and uh, non-indie development is we kind of have this dream as an indie developer is like oh like we too can be a corporation we use Uh we everywhere in all of our uh talking points and as a result people think we are a real corporation who to thunk uh just by like that little change in framing uh would have been enough to get people to change how they perceive like you as an individual right um and that is potentially not what you want because now people are going to call you up as if you were an angry corporate uh, like a gigantic corporation with a million people on staff and they're expecting oh the first line of defense is not going to give to 
hoots about my problem, and I'm going to have to fight it all the way up. Uh, and little do they know, they go directly to you. Yeah, <laughs> the, yeah. The the founder, the CEO, the treasurer, the secretary, the developer, the designer, the product manager, the customer support. That's all you. <laughs> you with that single long title. Um, so if you reply to that email saying, oh, we apologize for this, this, and this, try to personalize it yeah. as much as possible. Um, because what this will do is make people realize you are a human being yeah. and one, they will never send that angry thing to begin with. If you kind of frame it that way. Um, and two, uh, if they do frame it that way and then you like remind them just by using simple words like, Oh, I am so sorry. You felt this way when I made the feature, I Uh didn't think that it would do like the little subtleness is there and again uh, like i've said this time and time again you need to learn how to do this so maybe i'm just like putting the idea in your head so that way you can practice it um but those little subtleties can change the conversation instantly i've seen it many many times where someone just writes you something very angry and uh uh frustrated and then you reply like that and they're like i'm so sorry like i didn't think that you were the one <laughs> doing it, and then you can get into that conversation separately of actually trying to help fix like the problem that they're having and the frustrations that they're having. Because ideally, you want to either like fix it or you don't think it's part of like the product you're trying to build. But you can say that politely. You can say like, "I'm so sorry. Like um, this is not part of the goals that I'm trying to hit. Like it's kind of something completely separate." and <clears throat> although i as a developer might add something like that in the future i don't think i will mm-hmm. um but there are all these other like tools that you can probably give a try um and uh and go from there and i like i encourage you to ask apple for a refund i, I once again have no control over that process and they claim they have no control over that process but they somehow are able to give you refunds i don't know how that works um so you can subtly throw apple under the bus and save yourself um and yeah so i guess try to try to frame things differently if you do get attacked Mm -hmm. um like don't take it personally especially if you've been portraying yourself as like a a group of individuals when you're not a group of individuals um or even if you are a group of individuals those individuals might just be like the creators of something right um and uh if you are if you are someone who's just handling support like yes it's a little easier to distance yourself because you weren't the one that created the thing that made the decision the way it was and it might be more difficult because you have no power to change it right um but you can you can uh consult those people before Mm -hmm. replying um, so that way you know how to reply in many similar situations because ideally if if you're running support for an app you're getting a lot of the same criticisms over and over um so you can like humanize it a little bit like refer to the developer as by their first name is like oh hey uh, assuming they want that of course don't don't do that if they don't want that um but like hey uh dimitri um uh didn't consider your use case when when he uh built that and it may not be something that we can actually uh, do in the app, but uh, we thank you for like your criticism and or not your criticism, but your feedback. Your feedback. Yeah, yeah. Um, and 
well, we take your frustrations to heart because that is a frustrating situation that you're in. Like, it's it's completely rational that you are frustrated by that and try to find a solution that works for everyone. Um, but, like, I assume that's your job, so you already know how to do that. Um, but if you are hitting a lot of negativity and you don't know why, that may be one way to reframe it. Yeah. I think exactly what you said is is... I think humanizing is is the perfect way to to sum that up, right? That's ultimately I agree like you want to be this this we apologize or whatever you want to be more than than you. But ultimately I think humanizing it like you said and just saying like oh I'm so sorry. I, you know, didn't think about this or whatever. That that's huge and I agree that it will definitely reframe how the customer is is perceiving you um as as an app it's not you know this giant company it's you or if it is a giant company like i personally when i'm responding i do this very rarely but i've responded to a couple support emails um and yeah just say like oh you know i try to use i and use the first person and and not um say like oh we're so sorry or whatever i don't know for me i agree that just seems much more personable and like you're actually speaking to a human being right i mean i think about how frustrated i get when i call my bank or whatever and it's like it's an automated thing it's like press this to go to whatever and it's like please just let me speak to a human watch being. it's a person that's very good at walk at talking yeah. like a cadence and waiting for numbers to come in because they don't want to hear your complaints <laughs> Then we're at an impasse. I'm not sure what to do then. <laughs> Help. But people, I think, just want to relate to a person, right? You are yeah. an individual as a customer. You want to speak to an individual, not this, again, like faceless corporation that, you know, sits in their high rise or whatever. Just be a person. Cl- mm-hmm. And and I think it's it's very interesting that we, we bring up the word you because you started off as like a plural in itself like we're using we now um but you used to be like a plural of of something and because it was a plural and we were trying to be more polite like we as a people um not we as you and i um then it became part of the everyday vernacular for a single person as a result of that you know and we you see that in a lot of other um romantic uh romantic languages where we still have that it's like if you want to if you want to put show respect towards someone you use the third person um uh or not the third person the plural version of of uh a term so that way they can feel elevated as a result they're not just one individual they're a group of individuals Uh (laughs) in a way um and english used to have that as well until it just became everyday uh speak speech so um it's important to contextualize even when you say you like if you if i'm trying to tell spencer something and i say oh uh you might see that when we do this kind of stuff it's like spencer might take that directly it's like he's talking about me right yeah Um, yeah yeah. but like i can very easily change that context by saying oh you as like a, a group of individuals could very much like just by adding a group of individuals in, into that, um, you can change the context mm-hmm. uh, significantly towards the point where Spencer is no longer just focusing on himself in that in the rest of the sentence I'm trying to say. 
um, and you can focus on it as the words I'm trying to convey uh, instead. So um, I, I myself said that before when I said like we is like, oh, not you and I, Spencer, but like we in the general sense. Um, just like adding those little clarifications are oftentimes very useful um, in general. Um, and again, it takes practice. Like no one's going to go ahead and do this automatically. Um, it takes effort to change how we speak and how we think. Uh, but just practice makes perfect. Um, actually, no, uh, it's not practice makes perfect. It's practice makes permanent because the more you practice something, the more you're going to do it, whether you're practicing the right thing or the wrong thing. Um, so it's just something that will stick around and will be automatic, um, after a certain point. Uh, and I think the same goes for like just being, just being, uh, positive in general, like, You can dwell on every mistake that everyone has ever made. Um, you can be angry uh, at things, or you can try to not. Like as a kid, I remember my parents saying, oftentimes after I said something that I probably shouldn't have said, uh, they said, "Turn your tongue seven times in your mouth." Um, and I didn't understand the meaning of that because they didn't explain it to me. So I was just there, <laughs> turning my tongue in my mouth. Uh, and then I said the mean thing anyways, and like there was a, a a miscommunication there and what they're trying to tell me, but the thought was, turn your tongue seven times in your mouth so you have time to think about what you're about to say, uh, and if that's really what you actually want to say or not. Kind of like what you're saying before is, uh, like if you're uh, typing out an angry tweet uh, and now you have so much room for it, or sometimes you go overflow and now now you have to think about like what you want to keep and what you don't want to keep in there. <laughs> Um, and you can get rid of all the vowels and, and have like a very, uh, text heavy, uh, angry spew of, uh, negativity. Sure. Um, or you can get rid of the negative aspects and focus on just constructive criticism that can actually be acted upon. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. I think if we had to sum it all up, it would be something like, don't be a jerk. And that's, I think, you know, (laughs) that would get you pretty far. Um, you know, just be conscious of, of other people, you know, you're, Mm -hmm. you're the only one living in your body and in in your perspective, but, um, realize that there are almost 8 billion other people that are experiencing, uh, the same thing in a different way. And that's, uh, that's a lot to think about too. I mean, it's, it's, it's not an easy task. I don't think to see things from other people's perspective either, but, um, on some level you can relate to them as a human being and they have the same emotions as you do. They can have the same emotions as you can. And, you know, try not it. Yeah. I mean, if, if you think that you saying something rude to yourself, some, let's see if someone's saying that rude thing to you would bring you down, it would probably bring something. It would probably be bringing someone else down as well. If that makes sense. Yeah, that was another thing that as a a kindergartner, I distinctly remember teachers trying to like share that thought of like, oh, how would you feel if they said that to me? I was like, well, me as a smart ass, I'm going to say like, (laughs) well, then they meant it. And that's that. (laughs) All right. Maybe that I didn't didn't get them. I didn't get the message. Um, (laughs) And I think it's important to 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 communicate that message as clear as possible when when you are trying to give someone advice like try not to be nuanced sometimes being nuanced is not what you actually need um so yeah 
This week's episode of Code Completion is brought to you by Weekly Swift Exercises. Learning Swift, there's no substitute for practicing. There's dozens, literally dozens of people Fernando's mentored through different programs, and he's seen it time and time again. After you learn the basics of programming, you slow down because learning through experience is demanding and painful. Increasing your confidence is key, and there's an easy way to do it, practice. Fernando's Weekly Exercises help you practice concepts like closures and protocols while implementing actual features like dark mode. It's free to join. Uh, besides the exercises, Fernando sends one or two articles about learning Swift. Some are technical in nature, but most of them will help you in your career by teaching you things like best practices, working as a team, and getting ready for your first job. Thanks again to Fernando and Weekly Swift Exercises for sponsoring Code Completion. Go to twitter.com slash Swift Exercises today to learn more. With all that out of the way, I want to personally thank everyone for listening in this week. Please be sure to follow us on Twitter at CodeCompletion to know uh, when new episodes get released. And feel free to tweet at us if there's ever a topic you'd like for us to dig into. Most importantly, as a small podcast, please be sure to share this with your friends and family who are also interested in any part of the process of app development. It's your support that enables us to continue doing this, and we hope to grow a healthy community around everything we discuss. Once again, I want to give my thanks to Spencer, who's at Spencer C. Curtis, that's S-P-E-N-C-E-R-C-C-U-R-T-I-S on Twitter, for joining me this week. My name, once again, is Dimitri. You can find me at Dimitri Buñol. That's D-I-M-I-T-R-I-B-O-U-N-I-O-L. And we'll see you all next week. Bye. My Mac Studio is finally coming next week. Nice. Wednesday. Nice. Yeah. The, uh, oh, the... That's good. So did it get, it got uh, pushed forward? Yeah, it was currently at like 24 days. And then it just blipped into four days. So I'm like, yes. Nice. <laughs> finally. Um, so I will... I will... <laughs> update everyone on how how it deals with the RAM situation. I feel like in the latest updates of what are we on Monterey uh-huh. and uh, Mac OS twelve, not ten dot. Yeah. Um, but I feel like in the latest update, like it got worse. Um, okay. Where it's just like the computer being on for like a few days is enough for uh, Safari and Xcode to gobble <clears throat> up all all means of available RAM. I really don't know. Yeah, it- I, f- I feel like. My iCloud must be like well, corrupted in some way yeah. uh, that it just like saturates everything. Yeah. Hey, you know it, it's it's spring. You could do a little spring tab cleaning and clean up all your iCloud tabs. I do that like every morning. Uh huh. Yeah. Except <laughs> oh, not my iCloud tabs. Not yeah, my, like exactly. my phone is still at like five hundred. So I'm like deleting just a few, just so I have a few open. That's so my point, dude. Any. Come on. Um, I don't know. I feel like if Apple has a hard a hard limit in there, uh, it sh- it should be fairly easy to to be constructive about that hard limit and like not actually load any of those tabs or just have them as like a single record that's small. That's I cool. don't know. I feel this pain. I know <laughs> on a daily basis. You should write a very strongly worded feedback to Apple, just dragging them through the mud and taking nothing that we've talked about into <laughs> today's episode into account just they are the faceless corporation so drag them through the mud I, i'm just kidding. or 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 i can i can make it seem like i listened to anything we just said but didn't actually and just like make up a person it's like hey greg i'm a little disappointed <laughs> that we still have this issue <laughs> it'd be really nice of you to fix it and then the team like does anyone know a greg <laughs> No, and then there actually is a Greg, and he's like, oh, no, this is all my fault. <laughs> Greg, what did you do? 
It's like, I just started working here a week ago. He's been having this issue for years. I don't know. <laughs> Was there another Greg this whole time? <laughs> Dude, ruin someone's life. Speed run. But then, like, add a little personal details, like, hey, Greg, it was great meeting you, dub dub. Oh, my gosh, dude. (laughs) That would be the most confusing email, because it would probably get forwarded to the team at that point, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, it it became, like, so, just personal enough to, like, actually make it through the the many layers of, of, like, defense that they probably have to protect their employees against stuff like this. Because that's the whole reason, like, radar and feedback assistant exists like we like to think of it as like oh apple's being distanced they don't want to actually uh connect us with anyone they don't want their engineers bothered by us randos oh, yeah. uh like complaining about everything because we have been trained that apple is a giant corporation so we're never gonna be nice about it right and they don't want their employees being impacted by that like i, I used to remember uh, a boss once told me like my job is to protect you from the insanities of the rest of the company and that way you can do your work most effectively and i guess apple's doing that excellently because their number one priority is not developers like i'm gonna say it out loud i know people don't like hearing it um it's their own uh it's it's their it's what they're building and i would hope that their own employees are part of the that those set of priorities um but i don't know because i don't work there so i'm not gonna make an assumption there um even though i did um and 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 they're gonna try to separate them from from that some some employees try to be more public and you can see them get dragged for it publicly it's like they're trying to help you by being a little more open about what they're kind of working on when it's appropriate and the best you do is complain to them and nag at them it's like why would they want to do they're not getting paid to help you like that is not their job their job is to stay away from you and the only thing you've done is kind of uh support that further and i think that's a little a little unfortunate i mean yeah i think it goes back to everything that we've been talking about where if everything was a bit more positive and, and constructive you know i think progress in whatever way it would be in in context to whatever we're talking about um could be made faster or at the very least the mental health of those that are making that progress could be better um at the very least yeah i mean i I think it's it's just tough all around like there's so much there's so much emotion at play um, and we're yeah. not even talking about like global politics. We're just talking about like us being developers App store review. working in a platform uh-huh. that, yeah. And it's, it's mostly a platform that works. Like mm-hmm. people are not, uh, made poorer by the app store existing. Like, sure. It's hard to make it as an indie developer, but it's still not impossible. Like if you really want to be an indie developer, you can make Mac apps and those are profitable. Um, sorry, iOS apps, the customer base has diluted such that, one, the ones that are going to pay are not going to see it. And two, yeah. uh, the ones that are not going to pay are never going to pay. Uh, so you're not going to be able to be profitable there. But uh, Mac users tend to still buy software. So if you really want to make an app and you really want to make money, make a Mac productivity app of some sort that helps solve a, a personal or a business need. And you will you will make money. I've seen it like time and time again. 
Um, so it is not impossible as the world at large would like to make you believe. Um, and it just takes hard work and you don't need to play in Apple's hand. Like the Mac app store is an excellent example, uh, is kind of desolate and like, you just need to make $10 worth of profits to get at the top of charts. Um, and that is not like a healthy, a healthy thing, uh, which means that people don't check the Mac app store. So, uh, you need to learn how to market your app yourself. Like Apple's not responsible for your marketing. They might help your marketing, but they're not responsible for it. Um, like, I think it's easy to blame Apple because they, uh, it seems like they should be like taking part in more that they are doing than they are doing, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah. And it's easy to blame them for not doing it when it's just been your assumption all along. Like, the raw truth of it is Apple is not there to make you succeed. They will profit off of your success, like, as much as they can. Um, but it's up to you to succeed. Yep. Uh, and once you're succeeding, like, whether they profit off your success or not, like, you can then change your framing and say, like, oh, they're taking all my success. Uh, and therefore, like, I deserve uh, extra. But, like... It's a fictional thing. Like, you decided a random price for your thing, mm-hmm. and it's just part of the contract that you signed. A contract. Who would have thunk that contracts are a thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, you are agreeing to pay th- them 30% of whatever price you picked. Yep. Um, so, like, if you want to make that 30% back, pick a higher price, and that that is yours now. Um, uh, like... You can try to say, oh, but it's not worth this or it's not worth anything. It's a piece of software. You're selling a license to it. Yeah. Like it's it's ephemeral. It's not like an object that you took like actual uh, there is an actual base like price or of a bill like of materials that yeah. went into making it. No, like your development resources were finite. Like, however many copies you sell have nothing to do with however many hours you put into it. And I think that's a thing that people don't really get. Um, and it's a little, it's a little hard to explain it uh, because no one's kind of expecting that, that message. Like, you want to you wanna stick to hating the bad guy um, as much as possible. And you're like, Demetri, you're not being helpful to this conversation. Like we're supposed to be going against Apple here. Um, but that's not gonna, that's not gonna improve things. Uh, the only thing that can do to improve things is for you to, uh, not you, our audience member, but you in general, the (laughs) clarification again, what we say, the clarification. Uh, but it's important that you in general think about, uh, what specifically you need to do to make your app more into a business if you want it to make money first of all yeah. like if you don't care about ma- making money then who cares but if you do care about it making money you need to think of it as a business you need to think of it with a marketing strategy uh a uh, um, uh, business plan like I-, I haven't heard that term in forever uh, but to actually draft out like who your potential market is what the- are they willing to pay for something right. Um, and do some research and uh do the calculations if i only get 70 percent of that and then of that 70 percent i only get to keep 30 uh 60 percent of that from like taxes and all that um am i able to like survive off that in terms of like continual development and everything 
And if those equations look right, then congratulations, you have something that's viable. If they don't, then I'm just like, there's nothing harder to say than sorry, like it's not going to work out. Like you see it in, it's not just app development, like even restaurants. Um, a lot of restaurants that you see come and go, they just did not do the basic calculation of like whatever our capacity is, like say at lunchtime, if that is never going to make up for the cost of doing that business, you're never going to, it's never going to survive. Right. Never. Uh, like you can be hopeful. It's like, oh, we just need 50% more customers. You can't serve 50% more customers. Like it's just an impossibility. Um, so, oh, we just need to raise the prices, but then those customers won't come. Yeah. Like that is another, like depending on like where, which area you are, if there's other restaurants around and it's like way cheaper uh, for the same similar kind of food, then there's just something wrong with the math there uh, that's just not going to work out. And <clears throat> I think it's important to think about that as much as possible. If you do want to be successful at making your own apps as an indie, you need to be that one person that can do it all, unfortunately, until you can hire people that are better at you than doing uh, certain things yeah. um, that may come eventually, but may never come. And it may just be like, oh, hey, you can support this if you're the only one doing it. Um, and th- that might be a good thing because then you don't have to do anything else. Like you just focus on on making this one app and supporting it and uh, working on the marketing. But you can't you can't be negligent of the fact that you are responsible for all that. No one else is. Um, sure, you can say that hey, Apple is getting in the way of uh, this or that, and App Review doesn't like my idea. But like that is part of the calculation, right? Um, it's a non-tangible, uh, it's an untangible thing in terms of money. Like you can't just say like, oh, that's the uh, that was uh, $50,000 in terms of like my calculations ahead of time. Um, but that could have, <clears throat> that's something that you need to think of from the beginning. Like if it's yeah. anywhere close to being, uh to being a fringe idea that you don't think is going to be possible like uh, either pick a platform where that is going to be possible and work from there um android maybe like you can you can uh hope on the side loading aspects there or on the mac it's a lot easier to just do whatever you want um and maybe reframe the ios app as just a helper companion thing that's not actually doing that thing um and then that can be a way of going around that or make a mobile experience that can just do whatever you need. I mean, there's a reason why so many, so many things are just web apps nowadays because you can do whatever you want, uh, yeah. in that scenario. And yeah, Except write Swift. I'm just ranting at this point. Tear. No, you can, you can totally write Swift <laughs> for a web app. Uh, have, yeah, totally. Um, have you heard of, uh, web assembly? Um, oh, web that's assembly right. Projects? Yeah. It was them, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so Swift Blossom is a thing. And uh, there's a library called Tokamak that's kind of like Swift UI. Um, and you can build out your DOM using that. Oh, um, okay. And, and yeah, that's something that's totally possible, right? It's just you need to change your framing or just learn web technologies. I mean, it's, it's something you can quite literally learn in a week. Um, and I don't mean that as like a, a downer on all the people that spent years perfecting what they know on web technologies i mean it as hey you have experience doing development yeah you can pick up something that's similar but different 
in a week. Like, it's not going to take very long. You're not going to be the best at it. I'm, <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm saying that you can start that process uh, and uh, maybe write the worst code that's going to get your idea to uh, market. Like, that is totally doable. Um, and then think about rewriting it or making it scale gracefully, like, later. Mm-hmm. Um, and that once you have something that's viable. Uh, if you do know everything, then you can make it scalable from the beginning, but like not everyone does. So that's not something you should feel like you need to worry about. But, uh, long story short, don't think that blaming Apple for like app store or this or that is going to make anything better. All it's doing is blaming Apple. Like, congratulations. You feel better because you put them down. Uh, but that didn't make your idea a possibility. Right. Um, and that that's like the whole point of this, yeah. right? It's uh, the negativity is not going to actually fix anything. It's uh, not thinking about the past and thinking about the future or thinking about the, the now is actually going to make a difference. But thinking about the past and blaming and uh, putting them down is not going to help. Like that's that's the bottom line. Yep. I got nothing else. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) No, let's end it there. All right. Um, Bye. Bye.